Hi, I'm Shrankla Holochak, the founder and CEO of UMA, an Ayurvedic beauty and wellness collection. This is the UMA Ayurveda podcast. Each week, I'll be having a conversation with someone I greatly admire on the topics of Ayurveda, holistic healing, spiritual well-being, and alternative health. By sharing wisdom, I hope to share a personal truth and revelation with you that as ancient as they are, Ayurveda and other healing modalities are as modern and relevant today as ever. Years ago, Dr. Zori Sadegi had hit rock bottom. She was diagnosed with IBS, anxiety, depression, and many other ailments. I had tried everything, she tells me, but nothing truly helped her until she discovered Ayurveda. To say the least, she dove right into the practice and moved to Kerala, India. The decision to pursue Ayurveda was completely an overnight decision for me, she says. It was something that I can't quite explain. It was a voice within me. What ensued was a path of healing, learning and liberation, and eventually a new career. Since, Zore has founded Roha, an Ayurvedic healing center in San Francisco. She dives deep with me today to unpack all that Ayurveda has taught her. So Zore, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, it's such an absolute pleasure. I understand that you came to Ayurveda through a journey of exploration into your own health. And in fact, started with a full 40-day Panchakarma in Kerala in India, which I should call out is magnificent and huge in its own right. I've been born into Ayurveda and yet to do a Panchakarma. And you went down to Kerala from San Francisco all the way to do it. So I can't think of a, a more prodigious start to an education in Ayurveda. And that's a where I'd love to start, you know, what you felt like uh, diving right in, how your days progressed, how you felt physically and emotionally. Tell us all about that. Thank you for having me, Shankla. Um, I'm really happy to be here speaking with you. Yeah, so I sort of stumbled upon Ayurveda um, at a point in my life where I would say I had completely fallen apart. I had hit rock bottom. I was diagnosed with many different sort of ailments from IBS throughout my life because I had sensitive digestive system to, you know, severe depression, anxiety disorder, and then PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I sort of struggled with all of this for many years, not quite figuring out um, why it was all happening to me. And I tried, I had tried everything from Western medicine. I tried, um, therapy for many years. I tried acupuncture, um, Chinese herbal medicine, some of which actually helped, but nothing was quite able to figure out why I was struggling so much. Um, so what I decided to do, and this completely came out of nowhere. Um, one day I remembered that many years ago I had seen an Indian holistic doctor. Um, I couldn't even re remember what the name was, but I popped online and I just did a quick search for Indian holistic medicine and um, the name Ayurveda popped up. And I was like, yeah, many years ago I saw this doctor and I remember the only thing she told me was like, you know, your body's out of balance. There's too much fire and we have to cool you down. 
And I had no idea what that meant at the time. Um, so the decision to kind of pursue Ayurveda was completely an overnight decision for me. Um, it was something that I can't quite explain. There was a voice within me that I'd like to think of it as my higher self or my intuition that just kicked in and was like, this is it. This is your solution. And this is how you're going to bring yourself back into balance. This is how you're going to heal yourself. So within a couple of months, I packed my bags and moved to India. And it was a very quick decision. Um, there was not a whole bunch of thinking or really logic that went into it. I just responded to this voice. And um, when I moved to Kerala, I started studying Ayurveda. And at the same time, I was doing my Panchakarma. And I had no idea what to expect, um, nothing whatsoever. And I remember having my first session with my Ayurvedic doctor there. And um, she sat in front of me and I went through a list of symptoms, everything that had been happening to me ever since I was a kid, because I was not new to disease and ailment and pain. I kind of had gone through it all my life. And um, I went through all the symptoms. I told her everything. And she just looked at me and she was like, you know, all of that is great. It's good for me to know your symptoms, but we don't really treat the symptoms here. We really want to treat you as a whole. And this is now some 10 years ago, which I didn't fully understand what that meant at the time. Um, and I said, I'm ready. I said, I'm going to dive in. You tell me what needs to be done. And she put me on the whole Panchakarma process. And she suggested that I do, you know, about 40 days to begin because that's sort of uh, what we recommend in Ayurveda when you're first getting started, anywhere from like 30 to 40 days. Um, and I told her that I'm open to trying all the treatments, taking all the herbs. I was really, truly open because I was at the time, you know, 27, 28 years old, and I had tried everything and nothing had quite helped. Um, so I dived right in and they put me on a program where I was getting um, treatments daily about you know, sometimes two to three treatments a day. And I was taking herbs regularly. I was on a specific diet. There was a lot that happened during that whole process. Um, there was a lot that happened, not just on a physical level. Of course, I started sort of, you know, feeling better physically, but then on an emotional level, I went through a huge transformation during those 40 days. I remember days that I just could not get out of bed because the emotions were so intense. They were weighing so heavily on me. I spent days crying. I spent days being angry, being resentful. I spent days being sad. Um, there was so much that came up and I couldn't really figure out why all of this was coming up. I still was really new to Ayurveda and then I was sort of studying it at the same time. So then I started learning about the concept of the doshas, the concept of the energies within the body and what really was happening to me and tapping into the root cause of all these sort of emotional imbalances that was within me. And one thing became really clear when I did that panchakarma was that it wasn't so much the physical body that I needed to heal, but it was really my emotional body, my spiritual body or my you know, consciousness, a spirit, whatever you want to call it. I realized that that's what needed healing, that I was you know, um, wounded because of my experiences in life, because of sort of the traumas that I went through as a child. And it sort of brought all of that to the forefront of my awareness. Um, and I dived right in. And I remember on day 41, I met with my Ayurvedic doctor and um, 
sat in front of her and I was like, I don't know exactly what happened to me. I just know that I feel like I was born again. Like there, there has been a rebirth. And um, one of the main goals was to restore my menstrual cycle that I had lost for, you know, a few years prior to that due to PCOS. And I remember her telling me that you may not get your cycle back right away, that you have to give this time. Ayurveda isn't a quick fix. And even though you did the 40 days, um, you may have to give yourself another you know, month or so to really feel the effects and to restore your cycle. And that part um, initially was disappointing. And I was like, okay, but I'm willing to stick with this. But the most sort of like miraculous thing happened. And I woke up the next morning and I got my cycle for the first time naturally in years. Um, so that's when I knew I was like, not only was I able to sort of restore my physical body and bring it back into balance, but I also was able to dig deep and figure out what was happening with me emotionally. And in, in that moment, I had this clear sort of voice, this calling within me that was like, this is your life's work. This is what you're going to do. You know, you were able to heal yourself with the help of this, you know, amazing um, medicine. And now you have to go out there and help everybody you cross paths with become healthy, especially women, because as a woman, I struggled so much with my health. Um, sort of women's health became something that I became very passionate about after doing my first Panchakarma. I would love to get into your formal education with Ayurveda and what that was like, but I want to start with your Panchakarma. In as much as you can break it down for us, what the days were, felt like, what uh, you ate, how you spent your time, uh, what you felt while going through it. You've touched on how it felt coming out of it, but anything that can demystify this complex, amazing Panchakarma ritual for us would be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I look at it is um, the whole panchakarma process is a cleanse but while you're going through panchakarma you can really look at it as a retreat because on any sort of given day you start your day by sort of waking up with the sunrise so you're going um, you're putting your body um, aligned with the natural rhythm of nature throughout the day so you wake up with the sun you practice yoga meditation and depending on where you go for your panchakarma um, they could have sort of group meditation. They could have group yoga classes or they sort of urge you to do that on your own. So that's kind of how you begin your day. And then you're given your meals. You're given your three meals a day. Um, you're given breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And all of that is usually fresh um, based on your body constitution, based on your prakriti. They prepare different meals for you. Like for example, if you're you have diabetes or you're, if you're on a weight loss diet, your food might look different than a person who's there for, I don't know, schizophrenia or mental um, disorders. Um, so then your food is given to you three meals a day and um, you get to see and speak to your Ayurvedic doctor on a daily basis. So the first day, the session is usually longer, an hour to two to really dive deeper. And then after that, you get to meet with your doctor every day for like 20 to 30 minutes. And that becomes sort of the, the psychological or mental coaching component of the whole panchakarma process, because it is a very deep process and it goes deep into your psyche. So a lot of stuff will come up. So it's crucial that you get to talk to your practitioner, your doctor on a regular basis. 
So you have these sort of like healing sessions um, every day with your practitioner, and then you get body treatments, you get physical treatments, which are actually absolutely amazing. So again, the treatments change. The way we break it up in Panchakarma is every sort of five to seven days, your treatments will change. So we do any one particular Ayurvedic sort of therapeutic treatments for like five sessions in a row or seven sessions in a row, depending on what the body needs. And typically when you're doing a classic panchakarma, you get to do two treatments daily. They're either done sort of um, back to back or they're broken up into like a morning treatment and then you have lunch and then you get an afternoon treatment. And then you have, um, typically there's like either meditation or a chanting session in the evening as well. And then you, you get your dinner and um, yeah, you do, you have a lot of time on your own through this whole panchakarma process. And they usually urge you to sit with yourself during that time to do a lot of meditation, a lot of reading, writing, and all of that will help you go deeper within. Because, you know, one of the main goal of Ayurveda is to um, strengthen this connection that you have with yourself, with your inner self, with your true essence. So by doing these spiritual practices, while you're going, you know, through your panchakarma, you'll be able to sort of tap deeper into your essence and figure out, you know, what's going on with you and how you can remove these like blockages. So on any, um, given day to answer your question as to like kind of how you're feeling as you're going through it. Um, there's a lot that you're feeling. There's a lot that comes up. There are days that you wake up feeling um, refreshed, rejuvenated, more hopeful. And then there are days that you wake up feeling quiet, literally like crap. Like you wake up just not feeling great. Um, there's the heaviness, there's a stagnation. Um, there might be disappointment. There's all kinds of stuff that sort of moves through. And then there are days that, you know, you wake up and I, the very first time I did it, there were days that I woke up thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to continue on this because this is hard work. Um, while you're getting pampered with the treatments and it's nice to like, you know, talk to your practitioner every day, there is a level of difficulty that comes with doing a panchakarma. And I always tell my clients, it's not for the faint of heart. You have to kind of be ready to know what you're getting yourself into. The pampering and the treatments are great, but the only way to truly heal yourself from within is to face your own darkness and to face your own demons within. And to face that is not an easy task. So you have to sort of be ready to push through the days that are not as easy because once you do, the reward is waiting for you. And that's sort of what I learned um, by doing my panchakarmas every year. Um, and I realized that every time that I do it, it gets a little bit easier. Um, so the very first time was the most challenging for me was to, you know, it's a test. Every day that I woke up was a test to my strength, um, to my stamina, to like sort of my, my emotional strength to be like, hey, I'm going to wake up and do this all over again. Um, but, you know, the end goal and the results show me that it was all worth it. So you do, you do, you go through a number of emotions and not um, any two days look the same as you're going through this process. It is interesting how Panchakarma is uh, this beautiful guided call to action to tap in deeper and only you can do the work. Yes, the oleation therapies can prepare 
prepare the body to get rid of all the armor or the toxins through the massages and uh, the amazing abhyangas. But you're right in that the body of the work remains with the individual to release them into the universe, to release all the emotional and the physical toxins that one doesn't need. I can imagine that can be an intense but um, very, very profound introduction to Ayurveda. Indeed. Tell me a little bit about, from that point on, how you formally educated yourself in Ayurveda. Um, yeah, so when I was in Kerala, I did um, a three-month sort of intensive diploma course in Ayurveda. That was my first introduction into Ayurveda. And I took, um, you know, classes for Ayurvedic beauty care, for pregnancy care, pregnancy care massage. So I did sort of as many courses as I could possibly do. And um, the classes were intense and they were long because there's a lot of material to cover. And in, you know, in just three months of time, that's not enough to sort of dive into this vast ocean of knowledge. Um, so I did that while I was there along with some yoga therapy courses. And then while I was, once I was finished with that course, um, I realized that I had just sort of started my education in Ayurveda, that I was by no means ready or willing to go and practice it, that I really wanted to dive deeper. So I started searching for schools in the States that offered um, sort of higher education in Ayurvedic medicine. And I stumbled upon one in Southern California, um, AUCM or American University of Complementary Medicine. And they offered um, a doctor and a PhD program in Ayurvedic medicine. And that immediately caught my attention because there are many other practitioner courses, master's courses out there. But I just deep down knew that I wanted to um, do the longest program that offered me the most number of hours and especially clinical hours. So I moved down to Los Angeles and I um, studied Ayurveda there and um, the best part of that whole program for me was the clinical hours that I had to do because I spent a thousand hours in the Ayurvedic clinic we had at the school um, practicing with uh, my teacher back then, Dr. Jayagopal Parla, known as Dr. J. Yes. And I learned sort of everything that I needed to um, by being um, with the patients, with the clients on a regular basis, by learning the treatments because there's only so much that you can learn on a theoretical le level, you can you know, study and learn, but then actually doing things with your hands, doing the diabetic treatments with your hands, making the herbs, making the formulations. There's just something so beautiful about doing that. So that was definitely um, my favorite part of the whole program. So I obtained my doctorate degree in diabetic medicine. And how would you say, Zore, your practice has evolved over the years? What are some of the things that you've held on to? And what are some of the things that you may have uh, adjusted uh, based on all the wonderful experience you've had with seeing patients after so many years? Uh, yeah, there's been um, yeah, quite a bit of adjustment for sure. Um, I... I like to practice what I call sort of the authentic form of Ayurveda. Um, but as we know, it's a little bit more difficult. We don't have as much access to all the beautiful herbal formulations that, you know, the Ayurvedic practitioners in India have access to. So some of that had to be 
modified. Um, we use a lot of sort of single herbs um, and powdered herbs um, now in the States, and I've sort of started adopting those as well. Um, some of the physical treatments that we're not able to, by law, legally, we're not allowed to practice at the clinic. I've sort of um, modified those. I teach my clients how to do them for themselves at home. So that's part of it. And another sort of big thing that I've um, dived deeper into and noticed that there's a need for is the whole emotional aspect of healing in Ayurveda and the mental health aspect of Ayurveda. Because a lot of people come to us thinking, you know, they're going to heal their physical bodies or that Ayurveda is um, really just about the physical body. But what I'm realizing as I see more clients is that the emotional body is pretty much where it's at, that most of these ailments and problems are psychosomatic. So I'm now spending a lot of time doing coaching with my clients. So my sort of initial consultations went from talking a lot about their physical bodies, educating them on their doshas and their physical manifestations within their body, to now really focusing on um, the mental and emotional aspect of it and how are these doshas or these energetic qualities you know, presenting themselves or manifesting themselves on an emotional level and, you know, how are they um, being characterized in their bodies based on, you know, what's, what's showing up. Um, so that's become a big, big focus in my practice. And that's actually something that I'm so deeply passionate about, sort of educating people on this connection that exists within the physical body and the mental body. So I talk to, you know, my clients in depth about, you know, the herbs that I'm recommending for them and how these herbs will sort of affect um, their mental body and their spiritual body as well as just the physical body, that I'm not just helping them heal the, the symptoms or their, their physical, you know, their physiology, but also helping them heal their mind as well. So that's sort of like the, the biggest shift that I would say that has happened in my practice. And it is fascinating to observe that because many aspects of Ayurveda can feel cultural, especially when you're starting out, because yes, the system of medicine did originate in, in India. And for many of us that were born and raised in India, it's part and parcel of life in some ways, how you cook, how... Uh, much you refrigerate or lack thereof, uh, access to even things like fresh cow's milk that can sometimes be taken a little bit for granted up until you move, uh, as I did, to a different country and then start working backwards into integrating some of those practices in their rich, authentic way. But I think uh, you touch on something that is very powerful. It is, again, an invitation to dig in deeper, to see what your intuition is telling you about your body rather than relying on what is necessarily available or what your environment is able to do for you. And then practicing the art of moderation in practicing Ayurveda, because then you start to quickly find that relief is there to be found while making the adjustments that uh, you might need for your surroundings. So Ayurveda does exist for everyone in every sense of the term. It may just differ in its rendition from culture to culture and geography to geography. But the beauty is that with a 
few tweaks and uh, sensibilities, you can make it your own and still thrive with it. And that's, uh, that's beautifully put by you in how the journey has evolved. I'd love to go back to the question of mental health and get into a few more specifics. But before that, uh, a question that I think a lot of people ask, especially as uh, they get into the understanding of Ayurveda, and that is in many ways pivotal to understanding your true self, one's dosha. Tell me what dosha you are and uh, how you truly discovered it. Um, so I am predominantly a Pitta dosha, which is the fire principle. And, um, I have both Vata and Kapha in balance. So pretty much equal quantities of Vata and Kapha within myself. Um, it wasn't until I moved to India and did, you know, my studies in Ayurveda and did that first Panchakarma that I truly realized, um, what it meant to have sort of one energetic quality within you more than the other. Um, for me, I realized that once I sort of discovered that I'm predominantly dosha, because my predominant dosha is pitta, uh, it was very life-changing for me because one of the first things that my Ayurvedic practitioner in India told me all those years ago was that we need to cool you down. We need to cool you off. So what, they did for the first um, two weeks, every day straight, they did um, shirodara for me, but using buttermilk. Um, they, they pretty much poured milk on my forehead for two weeks straight. And when I was telling my friends back home about this, it was fascinating for them because they're like, how is milk poured on your forehead? It's going to, like, what does that even mean? What is that even going to do? Um, the benefits were immense because I... I felt the difference immediately. So I realized within myself that most of my life I was running on a lot of heat that I've always, I, you know, historically speaking, I used to be a very intense person. There was a lot of perfectionism within me. I wanted to always be in charge. I always wanted to be in control of my life, of every moment of my life and the people around me to the point that it led to self-destruction within myself. Some of that behavior of perfectionism, needing to be in charge, thinking that I know the best for me and for everybody around me. And um, as a result, getting disappointed, disappointed when things didn't go my way. I would often um, be easily irritated, lack patience. Um, and that was sort of the running theme in my life. And there was a lot of anger associated with that. So once I realized that, um, this fire exists within me. There is no way to deny that. There's no way to avoid that. But then what if I learned to tune into the positive qualities of the fire? What if I learned to contain the fire and turn it into this beautiful light that exists within all of us? And the positive attributes that come from having fire within you is having, is having courage, is being brave, is being compassionate, motivated, is having sort of um, the good intensity within you that gets the world going, that gets you out of bed every day. Um, and Ayurveda taught me how to do exactly that, is to sort of take the anger that I have within me like, and do something good with it. Um, I stopped judging myself. I stopped criticizing myself because I used to do that. I used to beat myself up for years and years. If 
one thing wasn't done right or my definition of right, then I would completely just lose my temper. Um, Then I realized, okay, what if I, um, instead of losing my temper, what if I saw this anger that's rising within me as something good? What if I took this anger and turned it into complete heat and passion and compassion towards myself to heal myself and to help heal the world around me? So really understanding my sort of constitution, my dosha, but also not over identifying with it. So I don't get too attached with it and recognizing that I still have the other energetic qualities within me as well, that on any given day I could wake up and be a pitta kapha or be a pitta vata. And what does that mean? And how is that manifesting on that given day? Um, So that really helped me to study myself deeper and get to know myself and realize how to balance myself you know and that means the lifestyle that i'm leading the foods that i'm eating um and a small example of that is i completely cut you know spicy food or anything that's like pungent or too acidic out of my diet many years ago and i find myself benefiting from that and that's really truly what ayurveda is it's a lifestyle change it's a a diet change it's not just herbal medicine um, so now I have that knowledge to know what to do. And I know, my, I know myself to be a very sensitive human being. Um, so now I sort of know how to harness those emotions, how to contain those emotions as they come up. And instead of sort of judging myself for having too much fire within me, um, I've started appreciating the fire within me. I've started sort of worshiping and praising the fire within me and learning um, how to master my emotions is what sort of got me closer to accepting myself exactly as I am. And that with that acceptance comes the essence of surrender. You surrender to who you are. You surrender to your body constitution, to your prakriti and to the world around you. And that sort of leads to reaching content and bliss within oneself. Speaking of bliss, I'd love to tap into some of the amazing work that you've done around understanding emotional health within Ayurveda, because I know that's a big part of your practice and how one can find answers. You mentioned in your videos that uh, you were diagnosed with uh, severe depression at the time you sought out Ayurveda. Can you share a few things that uh, some of us can do to start to manage that within ourselves as we seek out professional help? either with a therapist or um, an Ayurvedic practitioner to help manage those feelings a little bit better? The way I look at it and the way sort of Ayurveda looks at it, um, depression is nothing but the loss of connection to your sense or to your essence or to your higher self. So when you lose that connection to your true self, to your higher self, that's when sort of depression happens. And for a person who's sensitive, who by nature is, has more connection to their heart and soul, um, the loss of this connection is quite tragic. And this is what we don't realize. And once this connection is lost, and instead of it, um, this sort of fatigue and lethargy and heaviness gets settled within the mind and within the body, um, it leads into anxiety. So depression and anxiety very much go hand in hand because the mind feels like it's lost control. And um, once the loss of control is there, it leads to an anxious mind. So it pretty much the groundedness, the calmness of the mind 
is lost and you, you know, you feel exhausted, you feel depressed, you feel heavy. And, um, the journey to healing yourself and pretty much, um, combating anxiety and depression isn't a painful one. It's actually a beautiful journey of self-discovery. It's a beautiful journey of going deep within to finding your truth and finding your true nature. Because um, the way we sort of describe this in Ayurveda is um, when the mind, the mind always wants to be in control. The, The mind always wants a narrative or a story. So the mind starts distracting us by bringing up these powerful emotions of anger, shame, guilt, jealousy, and the mind starts seducing us by drawing attention to the outside world, to the world outside of ourselves, by distracting us with money, fame, sex, food, success, achievement. And when all of that fails, then the mind latches onto fear. It starts relying on fear, and this fear becomes something that we rely on and live our lives based on. And that's when sort of the whole disconnect happened. And in Ayurveda, the seat of the mind is in the heart. So while the neurological functions of the mind is is done in the brain, it's done through the brain, the emotional sort of functions of the mind are done through the heart. So to sort of heal yourself from depression, to sort of get to your own essence is nothing but strengthening that connection and bringing that balance and synchronicity between your mind, your emotions, and your body. So bringing this balance and harmony. And what truly helps here is doing um, some of these spiritual practices. So what I find that helped me with um, severe depression was not only therapy, of course, like doing sort of traditional talk therapy, as well as holistic coaching, but also doing meditation, doing pranayama, the breathing practices, doing some of the yoga postures, all of that helped me as well as diet and lifestyle. So eating a healthy diet because the imbalance of the doshas um, don't only show themselves physically in the body, but each dosha has a different emotional and mental characteristic within our body. So understanding doshas and how they play a role in our mental health is another thing that really helps. So if there's anxiety on the mind, for example, anxiety is nothing but fast moving, lightness, rigidity, it all comes from the vata dosha. So that, that tells us that the vata dosha is increased in the mind. How do we bring that back into balance by eating a vata pacifying diet? So there's a lot of factors, and this is why Ayurveda is so great in helping with mental ailments like depression and anxiety, because we sort of educate people on how to heal themselves through doing some of these um, deeper spiritual practices, but also eating a diet that's going to help them sort of combat anxiety and depression by leading a lifestyle that's going to help them, you know, find balance within themselves again. And a small example of that is, is sort of living um, in accordance to each season. So, you know, um, every season eating the fruits and vegetables that are available to you because fresh vegetables and fruits and what comes from that season has a lot of prana or life force. And that's what you need to help heal yourself from depression is to sort of bring your prana, pranic um, sort of energy into balance within your body. And by eating seasonal fruits and vegetables, you'll be able to do that because eating a sattvic diet or like a pure and fresh diet will help you with that. So there's a lot of sort of elements and components 
that go into it um, and doing the deep work of removing the, the AMA or the accumulated toxins on a physical level, but also on the emotional level is what helps bring you back into balance and what will eventually help you overcome depression and anxiety in the mind. What are some of the foods you'd recommend to someone that is struggling with anxiety? Um, so it's, this is also another thing. So in Ayurveda, since it's very individualized, it's very personalized based on each person's sort of prakriti or dosha, some of the things that I might recommend to a person who's predominantly, for example, a pitta constitution versus a vata constitution would be different. But in general, if we're speaking of anxiety, I would say for anxiety, we want to bring down the vata dosha. So we want to do foods that are warm, nourishing, grounding, sort of easy to digest, mainly cooked um, to help bring that back. Good oils in the diet. Good oils really help with the nervous system. So we're trying to bring the nervous system back into balance. So good fats play a big role in that. You know, um, good omega-3s, um, avocados, coconut oil, sesame oil, flax seeds, bringing seeds and nuts. Again, this will vary, you know, depending on your body type. Like, for example, a kapha person struggling with anxiety who happens to maybe also be overweight, I wouldn't recommend as much nuts and seeds, for example, versus a vata person who happens to struggle with anxiety. But in general, remembering to eat seasonally in accordance to your body type, in accordance to your dosha. So eating foods that come from nature and come from the earth, because with anxiety, we need more earth element. We need more kapha. So root vegetables would be amazing. Eating food that's more cooked would be really great because raw food has very similar characteristics to this vata dosha or to the anxiety. Raw food tends to be cold, dry, rough. So it's a little bit harder to digest within the system. So eating things that are cooked, um, eating whole grains, having oatmeal, any form of like, you know, rice, brown rice, quinoa that are like cooked with warming spices, nourishing spices, all of that will really help to ground and calm the mind. Any lifestyle practices uh, that you might recommend to someone struggling with anxiety? Often that also translates to a racing mind in the evenings and sleeping poorly because that also sometimes drives out of an imbalance in the vata dosha. Uh, what might you recommend? Yes. So one of the best things to do for anxiety is to put yourself and your body on a routine. Because anxiety and being anxious is nothing but fearing the unknown, is worrying about the future, it's worrying about what's to come. So when you have a routine, so when your body, when your mind knows exactly what's coming next, then it reduces some of that anxious feeling. By that I mean trying to wake up and eat more or less around the same time daily. That would be a big, big help. So putting yourself on a regimen where you know when your breakfast, lunch, and dinner is going to be, more or less around the same time. When you know when you're going to wake up, where you, when you're going to go to bed you know, on any given day. Waking up and starting your day by drinking a cup of hot water, depending on your, you know, your dosha. If you're more kapha, I would recommend adding you know, some lemon in there. If you're more vata and pitta, then I would recommend adding fresh basil or mint leaves in your hot water. And not grabbing your phone the moment you wake up is another big thing. So waking up, 
washing your face, drinking a cup of hot water, and you know, just doing a meditation practice. And this could be 10 minutes, this could be 30 minutes, this could be an hour. So this all depends on sort of the amount of time that you have and how new you are to the whole meditation practice. So just kind of sitting with yourself, setting an intention for yourself just for that day. It does not need to be an intention that you're setting for your week, for the rest of your life, just for that day, telling yourself that I'm going to wake up today and this is what I'm you know, hoping to accomplish or not. You know, it could simply be I'm going to wake up today and just live and just see what the day brings me. So just kind of giving yourself that assurance that you know, you're in charge of your health, of your day, and there's nothing out there that sort of can dictate that. If anything happens out of the ordinary, then you'll deal with it as it comes. So living in the moment, accepting the moment and living every moment with awareness is another thing that really helps with anxiety. And another really useful thing is oil massage. So doing your own self-abhyanga at home on an everyday basis, or at least three times a week, whenever you have the time, that could be really beneficial. So just warming some coconut oil or some sesame oil and giving yourself 10 minutes to sit with yourself quietly I like to light a candle for myself, burn an incense and dim the lights and just sit and, you know, make this self-abhyanga and meditation ritual for myself. And that's very beneficial. I recommend doing it more in the evening time, you know, an hour or so after you've had your dinner, like do the oil massage and get yourself and your body ready for sleep. And instead of grabbing your phone before you go to bed, Maybe you grab a book, maybe you read a poem, maybe you read a little, you know, you write a little bit in your journal. Um, Just do some practices that are going to help you keep your mind and your nervous system more grounded. And going to bed early is another really good practice. So in Ayurveda, we recommend bedtime to be by 10 p.m. the latest because between the hours of 10 to 2 is when you're able to get the deepest sleep. That's when your whole digestive system is resetting, your tissues are rebuilding, your cells are sort of regenerating. So if you are able to be in bed between 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., and really that's that's the deepest sleep. If you're able to get to bed by 10 p.m., then that's highly recommended. That also helps to keep your mind sort of calm and grounded. My personal experience around the 10 p.m. window has very clearly been around noticing a rise of pitta in within myself. I tend to be a pitta dominant type, and uh, it definitely is true in that if I get myself in a restive state by 10 and sort of start to channel the pitta energy towards regeneration of uh, the body, it I definitely find myself falling off to sleep better than rather than when I channel into it a little bit and uh, start to fuel the pitta energy and then try to get to bed by midnight. It's definitely a little bit more in full force and going until the 2 a.m. time frame when uh, pitta actually transitions into uh, the vata energy. But uh, but yeah, the timeliness has has definitely been an aid to many, many that uh, that struggle with a predominant vata dosha, and uh, uh, getting that structure is tremendously helpful. Switching tacks a little bit, I know that pregnancy care and Ayurveda 
for children is a specialty area for your clinic, Roja, in San Francisco. And I know many of us would be interested in learning a little bit more around that. While, of course, physicians' advice must be closely followed at all times, given that every pregnancy is unique. But what are some of the Ayurvedic lifestyle choices and tips you share with people to follow in uh, during these times that can make pregnancies even healthier, even more joyful? Uh, yes, pregnancy care um, in Ayurveda is a big topic and it's fascinating and definitely one of um, the areas that I'm very interested in and passionate about. Um, in Ayurveda, we view pregnancy as being a very spiritual and special time in a woman's life. And during this time, the female intuition is particularly very, very strong. Um, you hear of the pregnancy glow. Um, and in Ayurveda, we sort of explain that as this like, particularly there's this like very luminous, vibrant, golden aura about a pregnant woman. And that's what we sort of look at as a pregnancy glow. But it's also the inner intuition of a woman that's so much stronger. So it's shining very, very brightly. Um, and this is a time to bond with the child within. So this is sort of what I coach my pregnant clients on is to do a lot of self-care during pregnancy because whatever you're eating, whatever you're sensing, feeling, experiencing, touching your child is experiencing all of that with you. So there's no time like pregnancy to take care of yourself. One of the many, many things, you know, we talk about during pregnancy is that the vata dosha is bound to increase immediately the moment you get pregnant. So our goal is to keep vata in balance for the nine months of pregnancy. And that means and vata dosha dominates the nervous system. So we're trying to bring about sort of like the groundedness to the entire nervous system. One of the biggest, biggest things we recommend is oleation. Asneha, the word asneha in Sanskrit, which means oil, it also means love. And that pretty much explains everything. So oleation internally and externally to make sure that the woman is gaining enough weight, but also to make sure that the baby's brain is developing properly. So incorporating good oils, good fats in your diet daily, like organic whole milk, if there's no sort of lactose intolerance, coconut oil, olive oil, nuts and seeds are fantastic, like avocados again, cooking with ghee, ghee is really essential during pregnancy. So we highly recommend that. And then these are just for like internal and um, for pregnancy, I put my clients on a couple of um, safe pregnancy formulations, Ayurvedic formulations to make sure that I'm strengthening their uterus to make sure they're able to sort of like keep the fetus within the body. And all of Ayurvedic herbs are fat soluble, which means the, nutri the nutrients will sort of effectively be delivered to the cells and tissues if, if it's accompanied by healthy fat. So that's another reason to sort of do good fats. And then that's for internal. And then externally, I recommend my pregnant clients to always do oil abhyangas, so oil massages for themselves at home, because this oil massage not only is nourishing the body and the mind, it's relaxing the body. It helps sort of, you know, there's a lot of um, sort of fear around stretch marks and all of that, like skin sort of losing its elasticity. Um, um, the, there's like pregnant belly itching. So oleation 
connection externally will help with all of that. And it brings about like a stability and warmth and it helps sort of evaporate um, stress, fatigue, tiredness within the system. So those are like some of the main things. And of course, one of the other important things I always emphasize is eating a fresh and pure sattvic diet while you're pregnant. So that becomes really, really important as well. So enjoying fresh seasonal fruits and vegetables, whole grains, um, nuts, organic dairy, all of foods that pack a lot of um, cosmic life force, prana and life essence within them. Um, that helps build vitality or immune system or what we call ojas within the system, both for the pregnant woman and for the baby. So these are sort of some of the things that I recommend, that Ayurveda recommends um, during pregnancy. Um, and the most important thing is to just be mindful and stay connected to your body, to the baby, to sort of all the emotions and sensations that are coming up and do as much self-care and self-love as possible throughout the whole nine months. It goes without saying that things like oleation and self-abhyanga should be consulted by uh, via your physician in case there might be specific things within uh within your physiology that might need addressing, but this sounds like an amazing blueprint to thrive during a pregnancy. One that integrates self-love and also almost good habit formations and, uh, and love for the body, even within the child uh, while it is inside you. But uh, speaking of children, how do you get children started on Ayurveda? Yeah, so children's is, is a very interesting area because the way I sort of look at it is I educate the parents. Um, so I teach the parents what it means to live an Ayurvedic lifestyle because I look at Ayurveda as a lifestyle medicine. It's not just an herbal medicine. So I teach the parents on the basics of Ayurveda, what we focus on in Ayurveda, which is a well-balanced diet. It's getting proper, adequate sleep. It's life, making lifestyle choices like clean personal hygiene, having enough of indoor-outdoor activity and exercise for kids. Um, all of these are pretty much what we recommend for adults, but then for kids as well, because these are essential for, um, especially indoor-outdoor activity is one thing I talk to parents about because it's essential in kids' brain function and learning abilities. So I recommend that they maybe take you know, some yoga postures and do it as a family activity indoors and then take their kids outside. And I recommend they do it on an everyday basis to get some fresh air, to get some fresh prana for the kids outside. Then um, a well-balanced, clean diet. It's a little bit harder to get kids to take a lot of the herbs and formulas. So I often try to help what's going on by mainly doing diet and lifestyle unless they come to me with something that's been you know um really chronic or there's like an acute case of um cold or flu or like seasonal allergies or mucus then i'm able to give small doses of some of the ayurvedic herbs mixed with honey when there's a little bit of that sweetness it's easier for children to take it so unless there's some cases that need the herbs i'm more often sort of lean towards diet and lifestyle and teaching your kids how to have proper personal hygiene because that's very important for metabolic activities within the system um, and just sort of teaching them how to eat properly making sure that the kids are eating their meals making sure that they're getting enough sleep 
throughout the day. Um, all of the pretty much the basic principles of Ayurveda that apply to anybody in adults, um, you know, apply to children as well. Maybe on a more modified basis, because sometimes it's harder to get kids to eat anything and everything. So if they bring, you know, their kids in, I usually talk to them about what they like to eat. And I try to sort of design a diet that fits, you know, their, their liking or their, their taste, because I don't believe in forcing kids to eat things, because if you're not truly enjoying the food you're eating, you're not going to benefit from it. So if they like pizza or pasta and French fries, then, you know, I help sort of design Ayurvedic recipes of um, those foods, but using whole grain, using whole wheat instead of white flour and things like that. Um, and it becomes, you know, somewhat fun. It's just about getting kids excited about, you know, it's about speaking their language and getting them excited about the things that are, they're eating, the things that they're doing and treating them like adults, like they're um, individuals that understand and they have a choice in, you know, what they're eating. So that also helps me connect to kids. And one of the things I have found that has a lot of credence with uh, parents uh, when it comes to young children is how meaningful Ayurveda can serve in way of a coping mechanism as one grows older, in that a lot of us uh, end up resorting to some self-destructive habits in times of extreme stress, and how meaningful Ayurveda can be as a replacement to those uh, habits uh, in means of coping with uh, scenarios that may be causing us stress, even if it is the practice of self-apyanga or uh, breathing meditation that becomes your go-to because you've started at a young age with practices such as yoga or uh, or caring for yourself in times of stress that provide this beautiful blueprint of, uh, of coping with stress as we all will through the course of our life and starting out young and understanding some of those things and being able to turn inward to find the strength we need can be very, very beautiful as we go through life. And Ayurveda in particular shines in its ability to do that. And I definitely find that some of the things I learned early on uh, through my practice of Ayurveda and yoga have really served me well through the course of my life. Oh, sorry, this has been very, very informative and so wonderful. Before I let you go, I want to ask, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience uh, about Ayurveda, about integrating it into the hustle bustle of modern life, into starting out with it, anything that you feel like we may have not covered during the course of this conversation? Um, yeah, the one thing that I would like to say first and foremost is that I truly believe Ayurveda is for everyone and anybody can benefit from Ayurveda. So that's, that's key to know. And another thing is that there is no one way to really do Ayurveda and there is no way to do it perfectly. So do as much as you can based on your schedule. And this is sort of another thing I talk to my clients in depth about. Um, if you wake up and, you know, wake up and sleep more or less around the same time daily and eat your meals around the same time daily, that is Ayurveda. You're already practicing Ayurveda. If you wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, scrape your tongue, 
and drink a cup of hot water, you've already done Ayurveda. So the whole, it could be overwhelming to think of the whole Dinacharya, sort of like the daily regimen, the seasonal regimen, and wanting to incorporate all of it. And it brings about more sort of anxiety and it makes you more overwhelmed. That's not the goal of Ayurveda. The goal of Ayurveda is to teach you the basic tools you need to know in order to heal yourself and your body. It's a system of self-healing. And my Ayurveda might look different than yours and the person next to me. So everybody's sort of version of it is different. You know, I do um, some of the practices that I know are more beneficial for me. And the only way to kind of find that out is to give it a chance, to give it a try, to see, you know, what works and talk to your practitioner about your level of comfort with taking the herbs with following some of the dietary stuff. And there, if there are things that are, you absolutely cannot fit in your, to your day, then talk to your practitioner about that because we are able to modify um, some of the practices and help, you know, fit them into the lifestyle and daily schedules of our clients. Um, so yeah, give it a chance. I mean, Ayurveda quite literally has saved my life and so many people that I know around me and I have, um, I have so much respect and love for this science. Wonderful guidance and absolutely wonderful chatting with you, Zore. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate all that you've said today and all that you do for Ayurveda and uh, your patients every day. So thank you for being with us and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information on our guests and the additional references during our conversation, please visit us at umaoils.com. That is U M S and Mary A O I L S.com. And please subscribe to the Uma Ayurveda podcast and share. See you next time.